Hello and welcome to episode 238 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. Newcastle takes over from Doncaster as the venue for this year's November Handicap. We'll have a look at the flat racing there this weekend. Jumps racing this Saturday comes from Wincanton, where the highlight is the Badger Beer Handicap Chase. There's also a couple of grade 2 races for us to enjoy there as well. And Aintree, they race over the Grand National Fences on the same afternoon. City AM racing editor Bill Esdale previews the best of Saturday's UK horse racing action, plus Wally Pyra looks ahead to the next meeting in Hong Kong, which is also on Saturday this week. So we're going to have a look forward to a couple of jump meetings this weekend. Wing Canton got the Badger Beer coming up on Saturday. Aintree, they race over the Grand National course as well, so jumps there. And Newcastle is coming up this weekend. Instead of Doncaster, we'll get Bill's thoughts on all of those subjects in a few minutes' time as we look forward to the best of the TV races on Saturday. But we'll have a quick look back to last weekend because it was a good weekend with the Breeders' Cup, which we'll talk about shortly. But Ascot, you had a, a couple of really nice winners there, didn't you? We had uh, Knickerbocker Glory at 10 to 1 that uh, came and turned up. You had the third in that one as well, Bad was 8 to 1. And uh, it was a, another good weekend before we get to the USA. We all started off very well in Ascot, Bill. Yeah, no, Knickerbocker Glory was good. Um... Yeah, it was it was it was nice to have um, a bit of early form in the in the jump season. Um, yeah, enjoyed enjoyed last week um, a lot. But but like it goes, you know, you're as good as you last week in this game. You can have a shocker, and then then all all is forgotten. But it was nice to nice to find a a nice one and the, and the skeletons. You know, I don't funny enough, I don't fancy the horse much for the great. Well, I know he's shortened up, but the key to him was his freshness, background, and freshness. And I'm not sure it. He'll get background at Aintree, and I'm not sure he'll obviously he's not going to be fresh, so I wouldn't fancy him as much. But no, it was nice to get that one. And then on Saturday night, we had the, the Breeders' Cup over in Santa Anita, and there were some terrific performances there, and some really late, late shows coming up in spiral, getting up for Frankie, Master of the Seas. No, sure, how he won. I know you tipped him anti post on the, the Tuesday, Wednesday ahead of that draw that he had in 14 he won went off at 33 to 10 in the end i mean goodness me what a price decrease that was and then august rode down for ryan Warren. now we'll talk about the horses but what about the rides frankie buick and ryan the three last gasp rides they all took their chances and got there but they all got there in the end were, were they all great rides or were, were some of them a bit lucky do you think the first thing to say is that is that look, our turf horses are better than their turf horses, and their dirt horses yeah. are better than our dirt horses. So your your default on horses that probably should win anyway. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I really enjoyed the Breeders' Cup this year. Lots of people don't like it. I really enjoyed it. Um, the highlight for me was Big Evs on the Friday night. We obviously had Mick on the show last week. That was oh, terrific. That he 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 won for for the Appleby team. I mean, they're over the moon as you'd imagine. And looking at the kind of Saturday card. Um, well, Friday as well. I, I thought Ryan was sensational. He was brilliant um, to win on Unquestionable in the, in, the, in the juvenile turf, and he was even better on August Rodan. He's just uh, always in the right place. 
He's in the right place at the right time. I can't really think of big mistakes that he makes. Um, he's got nerves of steel. He's just a, a classic big race jockey. Um, Master of the Seas was great. Put that up early in the week at 13 to 2 because I felt there's an overreaction to the draw for a hold-up horse. Um, Buick did everything he had to. I mean, he was sat out the back. He wasn't ever going to get across from trap 14. Um, and he switched the horse out wide in the straight and he was good enough. He got, he come and nailed Morge on the final stride, literally. Um, look, he did everything right. You know, the funny thing is, is that it went down, you know, people described it on Twitter as like ride of the night and sensational, but people are so fickle on that platform that yeah you know, he's one stride away from it being what the hell was Buick doing you shit what was he doing out the back yeah, 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 the, yeah, usual, yeah. The, the usual stuff but he got he got the job done but he was on on a horse that was suited by the race but yeah no I I, I enjoyed it what about big abs I mean we had mentioned that just yeah you did already what a performance I mean to, to take the Americans on at their own game and any Tom Marquand didn't panic you know I said on on our podcast beforehand Let's hope they've got a plan B. If they can't get to the lead, don't try and take them on. And he kind of sat in second and then took them on when he wanted to. I mean, honestly, that's going to change McApple being the team's lives, isn't it? Yeah, I hope it does. I hope it does because they deserve it. They're lovely people. And, you know, the whole team, the whole team there, when you go to Mixed Yard, they're just, they're just good, good people. And, you know, it's nice that good things happen to good people and they deserve it. And I think it's great for the sport, the sport of the worldwide sport of horse racing, that it's not just the same characters winning, you know, Aiden or Bob Baffert or whoever other top mm. US trainers. It, it, it's great that someone like Mick Appleby can take a, a good two-year-old and win a race there. It's, you know, it's, it's a world championship. It's a global competition. And, you know, I hope it does change. I hope it opens people's eyes to say, look, if I'm, if I've got the budget to spend quarter of a million or 300,000 on a, on a yearly, I'm going to send it to the Applebee's. Yeah. Um, and the Applebee's, the Applebee's are the Mick variety rather than the Charlie variety. <laughs> I was going to say, send it to the right <laughs> Applebee. Don't <laughs> send it to the wrong one. Now, now when you told me you were, you were flying off into the, the sunset for a, a bit of warm, warm weather next week, I was wondering, are you going in the jungle with Frankie? Well, I wasn't sure, but uh, apparently you're not. But Frankie is. Is this good for racing then that Frankie's going to go in the jungle and eat caterpillars and whatever else that they, they throw at him? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Frankie because he'll obviously put on a show, um, but it'll test him. It'll test him. And, you know, a lot of people say there's two Frankies. There's the Frankie behind the camera and there's the Frankie in front of the camera. It's kind of be interesting to see because there isn't there aren't many hiding places but look he's he's entertaining um he's on show um yeah it's it's it, it can only be good for racing that we've got but look people crab it but look we're, we're lucky we've got someone in the sport that people want to have a, <laughs> on um i'm a celebrity do you know what i mean there aren't there aren't they're not um uh queuing up to take other jockeys or trainers um and you know that's 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 got to be that's it's got to be a good thing um you know, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going straight. I'm off to Hong Kong next week. I'm actually at Happy Valley on Wednesday night, uh, and at Cheltenham on Friday night. So, as I said to you, it'd be um, there are not many people doing the Happy Valley Wednesday, Cheltenham Friday double. But I'm attempting to land that double, so that'll be interesting. That is just madness, to be honest. Um, those those naughty people at Fergal O'Brien's social media account said that Frankie will be great in the jungle eating caterpillars and bugs and spiders because he'll be used to it having eaten in the weighing rooms in the UK over the last 30 years <laughs> oh, that's good yeah that's that, that that is good I saw enough I saw um 
on on Twitter before there was a f- funny comment that someone someone had written um, about. Uh, oh, it's James Knight had written the Coral Trader had written. You know, when Frankie gets voted out of I'm a Celeb, will he actually leave the jungle or will he hang around for the next series? Which I thought was um, <laughs> which was quite yeah. funny. It just moved straight to Strictly Come Dancing for next season. Sort of, <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go for the American version. <laughs> yeah, that's the opportunity there. Uh, so we look forward to uh, seeing Frankie in the jungle. Give him some caterpillars. He'll love it. Um, right, let's have a look at this weekend's action then. We'll come to the flat at uh, Newcastle in a moment. We'll, we've, we'll get your thoughts on that as well. They moved it from Doncaster. We'll see what you think on that just before we go and, and speak about some of their races. But we're going to start the jumps, and it's Wing Canton coming up on TV on Saturday with uh, a few races there we can look at, including the Badger Beer. That's at 2.25. We're going to start uh, with the 1.15 there, two-and-a-half-mile conditional jockey's handicap chase with a field of 12, the likes of Enjoy Your Life of Venetia Williams in the flagrant deli teep for Robert Walford's in the race. Who will go? I imagine that's how you pronounce it. It's a French-bred horse, so we'll drop the T at the end. Paul Nichols. Uh, for the owners group, who was the favourite yesterday when I saw looking at the race, but seems to have drifted out at the moment to around about seven to one. Midnight Midge is in there as well. Uh, how do you sort of look at these races when we've got the conditional jockeys? Do you, do you sort of go for the best jockey that's going to give you the best ride, or does, does it help at all in, in, in your thoughts? Is it a bit like the amateur races used to be over the where the Serena Brotherton used to win them all? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a fair... A, a real good bunch, you know, Freddie Gordon, Connor Ring, Jack Hogan, you know, we know, yeah, Freddie Gingle, you know, he, he these, are, these are good pilots, Ned Fox, for really enjoy your life of Venetia. You know, these aren't far off, you know, top class, you know, he, we saw um, Freddie ride Eldorado Allen um, last weekend, you know, so that, so there's not too, too there are not too many inexperienced ones here. I thought this race was one of the hardest races we're covering. Uh, this weekend there's been plenty of money around for you know it, it's the race of hard to pronounce it's a bit of a commentator's nightmare this because you've got Huel Go or Huel Goat or whatever people want to call it you've got flagrant Della T who's going to be the likely favorite for the for the Wolfords um uh Vol Volvacova I mean it's just a, a nightmare you probably want to call it as numbers rather than names <laughs> um stakes to a minimum for me um I, I felt the two that have headed towards the top of the market in, in, in the last few days are the two to concentrate on. Uh, that's flagrant delity and enjoy your life of Venetia's. Um, the case for both are relatively obvious. Flagrant delity is a horse that's handicap has been collapsing, you know, from, from marks much higher than he, than he's lining up here of, in the kind of one thirties. He's down to one Oh eight. He's a previous winner. Um, showed up fair way last time back at Plumpton, got the run under his belt um, for a yard that have probably targeted this race. Um, lots to like the price is just gone. That's, that's the thing. I mean, you can still make a case from around sixes, but he, you know, he was a lot bigger than that a few days ago. Um, and enjoy your life is, you know, Venetia's winning with everything at the moment. We're in that kind of time of year where she starts to send out winner after winner after winner. I mean, she's won at the time of recording, recording this on Friday afternoon, or Friday morning. Um, she's won with four of her last six runners. So we know she's hit, hit 
form. Uh, she's six from 16 over the last 14 days. So, so they are flying and uh, enjoy your life is, is a, a unexposed for her horses only had the three runs having come from France was operating on bad ground uh, around France and, you know, hasn't shown much in three runs for her, but takes the drop back in trip two pounds lower than, 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 you know, he, he, he was, um, when, um, you know, a, a good second at Wincanton here back at April on good ground and a reproduction of that race would probably see, you know, on, on slightly softer ground, a decent performance off a fair mark. So, um, wasn't going to get stuck in heavily, but I thought six to one with Hills, enjoy your life. Uh, four places each way was a fair enough shout. And, uh, yeah, that's how I'll play the opener. In the 150, we race over two and a half miles for the Rising Stars Novices Chase. It's a grade two, small field here, six go to post. But uh, we know most of these pretty well. We've got Nappers Hill at the top, and it looks like it's going to be odds on for the Nichols Cobden combination in the uh, Barber Colours, having run second at Chepstow just uh, a month ago, jumping over the bigger fences there. For the first time, Captain Conby comes over from Ireland, having won in August of last year and then finishing second at Tipperary in October. Doyen stars in there for Evan Williams, Givega for Gary Moore, Lady Adair, Harry Fry, and the opening bid completes the lineup at a big price. Uh, it says rising stars, but we know Napa's Hill, he's seven, although, of course, going chasing now. How do you see it? Yeah, I thought this was, this was. It's pretty hard to get away from the favourite here. Um, I'll take you back to October the 11th. Sorry, October the 8th, 2011. Sylvian Arco Conti got beaten at Chepstow in the mm. novice chase there behind Q card and then came on and won the Rising Stars by 25 lengths. Paul Nichols kind of flagged this up in his column earlier in the week and that's the same route that Nappers Hill is is kind of charting here, the same route the course he's charting. Um, Nappers Hill ran in that Chepstow race and was beaten behind Unexpected Party. Um, I have to say, I had a few quid on Unexpected Party that day, and I just thought that Nappers Hill was vulnerable on, on softest ground. And there was a moment in that race where he was cooked and then suddenly appeared back on the scene and looked like he was going to run expected party down. I thought it was a, a, a really nice run. Um, I think he's top class. I think he'll take a step forward from that run. Um, I think the trip is fine. Um, grounds, the only tiny niggle, um, you know, cause he's short. You're talking about a horse. You got to take four to six about, um, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't put anyone off if they want to put him in doubles and trebles. And, you know, I, I think I'd be very disappointed if, if he gets beat. His obvious danger is Captain Kobe. Um, Combi, I should say. I always call him Captain Kobe. Um, Captain Combi, who was obviously second to Sharjah last time and uh, and won before that back in the summer at Killarney. Um, this is the horse that was the, the talk of Cheltenham. Do you remember there was a big gamble on him in the, in the Coral Cup? And he kind of faded out of it late on he's he's the the, the danger to the to the favorite um but i think napa Hill's really good it's his hunting ground um you know on ratings alone he's rated 153 against captain combi is 140 and they're, they're off levels um it would be disappointing if he doesn't get the job done but 
the only caveat if 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 the rain the rain's not forecast and it should be nearer good to soft um come the come the race um on good to soft ground i think napa's hill will be very very hard to beat if it goes soft i think the others come into it but i'll stick with napa's hill paul nichols has got a really good chance in the 225 over three miles and a furlong this 60 second running of the badger beer handicap chase with 11 runners he's got three under through five who's had a wind up in the mcneil family colors with harry cobden on board and froden last year's winner He's back again for more, and uh, Bryony Frost once again on board, as she always seems to be with Frodon. They're vying for the favouritism in the Badger Beer. We've got the big breakaway in there from Joe Tizard, who we haven't seen since running at uh, Aintree, falling in the Grand National back in April. We've got Ashtown Lad for the Skeletons in there, Sam Brown as well, and certainly Red is in there too. Uh, out the two Nichols horses, who do you see, first of all, going off as favourite? Is it three under through five who's been supported in the last 24 hours? Or is it the old favourite, the 11-year-old Frodon? I think three under through five will probably go off favourite, um, I'd imagine. I mean, Frodon obviously won this race off the same mark 12 months ago. We put him up. I'm not after timing. We put him up. We were quite confident about him winning 12 months ago. Um, and he got the job done. Um there was a worrying moment in that race where I thought he was going to get reeled in and Lord Accord clouted the the last when and that kind of took all the stuffing out of him. But I was getting nervous when Lord Accord looked to be tracking him down. Um, I think this is a hotter contest. Um, definitely run on worse ground, which won't, neither of those play to Froden's strength and we're another year older. He's 11. And yeah, I, I think he's up against it, Froden. Um, I think his biggest danger is probably three under through five. I covered this race earlier in the week in the Enterprise column and I went with the big breakaway. Um, he's seven to one. I think that's a fair shout for the big breakaway. I think the key, the, the Tizards have started the, the season well. Um, they've been amongst the winners. Um, you know, they're operating at you know, five of the last 23 of one. Um, the big breakaway, the key to him seems to be fresh. Um, he started last season really well. He, you know, he was second at Haydock in his reappearance in a head bob behind Fontaine Calange. Um, he's dropped a few pounds since since his kind of below par runs at Cheltenham and the Grand National. He's he's down to a mark of one four nine. Um, I just think he's going to run well at seven to one. Uh, I, I think he's the, the the most kind of likely. I should say likely winner. I think he's just the the, the best bet. Um, Will I add to that bet if you if you haven't backed him or you know would I would I would I add to him? I do I do really fear three under through five. I really do. Um, primarily because he's had the wind up and that is going to eke out some improvement to him. You know on on you know his handicap mark is the same as when he was fourth in the air national in the Scottish national off 147 on trips that kind of stretch him um the wind can only have helped i think he reappears here i think it's the perfect race for him three miles one um i just think he's a winner ready to happen so um big breakaway if you're already on at sevens 
I think is the bet. Um, but I'm going to have a small saver on three under through five. I'm going to Dutch the pair of them. Um, and uh, that's the yeah, that's the way I play that race. So the big breakaway each way at sevens with hills and three under through five, you can get 130 with Betfred win. So I'll probably do a point each way, big breakaway and, and two points to win on three under through five. Then at three o'clock, it's the elite hurdle. Uh, just about two miles. It's a mile seven and 50 yards to be exact. And there are five runners. We've got to, the likes of Rubo going in here. I'm not sure how to go ahead and uh, discuss that with you because um, he's won his last three in a couple of grade twos in there along the way. Won the Dovecot at Kempton. He's won twice at Kempton now. Won a listed race at Kempton. He won the Scottish champion hurdle en route as well, beating Colonel Mustard. He's been fantastic in the Chris Giles, Brendan McManus colours. Once again, Paul Nichols. But he was second on uh, Boxing Day behind a horse called Rare Edition. And he was beaten seven lengths, Bill, by your horse on that occasion. He's certainly picked up since then, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, he has. He has. He's a very good horse. And it, yeah, the, before that, he beat Brentford Hope, who we saw win at Newbury. Um, so his 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 form has some substance about it. Look, he's 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 nice. Um, did we beat him on merits? I hope so. Did, was it the rain softened ground that probably blunted his speed a little bit potentially and that's the only niggling worry here for for people that want to take five, five to six best price with hills rubo you want to take that price is your worry over the ground uh and if the rain comes but i suppose if they have a <laughs> genuinely dry 24 hours plus or 35 36 hours um he should be fine the ground should be near a good to soft he's in good form he's got the run under his belt he takes on a good one in hansard he's a horse i have a lot of time for uh when he racked up, racked up a couple of wins at hunting and pumpton he looked a real machine and um he kind of went off favorite behind Rubo, Rubo in the Dovecot and ran no sort of race. He was very keen that day and that kind of um, did for him. But he ran much better back at Aintree behind um, Hansard. Um, he was much more kind of grown up and settled and, and finished off his race nicely. Um, that was the race that Rare Edition finished last in. But that was a much better run from Hansard. He's a horse I respect. I think the market has it right. Um, if I had to pick one of the two, I would definitely go for Rubo on the ground if it was good to soft. If it got softer, then I think Hansard's, Hansard's a player because he's won on soft ground. Um, but I, I think he might have... Um, I think Rubo might have too much for him. And I also worry about whether Hansard might be a bit keen on his reappearance for his first run of the season. Um, Westwell Bear won't go here. He's going to go to Aintree, so it's a small field. Um, and whether whether that's going to um, help Hansard much, I doubt, because he'll end up being lit up and probably a bit too keen. But yeah, I think Rubel will take a fair, fair bit of whacking there. Okay, let's have a look at Aintree. You mentioned the race course there. It's heavy going at the moment. I think you said on Friday morning they had to have an inspection and saying it's um, still got some standing water. Is that is that right, even on the Grand National course? Yeah, I mean they've they there was a serious doubt about this um going ahead, but um on the Grand National course. The the, the Milne course or the rest of the racing is fine, but the Grand National course itself, they had a major worry about um passing the inspection and being able to race. Um they held an inspection at nine o'clock on Friday morning and they um have come up with a I'm just reading it live now to say that we may buy a bypass Grand National Fence number 11, but a final decision will be made. All the rails have been moved out. Um, 
Yeah, they've had 47.2 mils of rain um, Wednesday the 1st of November through to Tuesday the 7th. Um, And yeah, they put put a fair fair bit of water on there anyway. So the ground on the national course is heavy, soft in places. Uh, And if they're talking about bypassing all fences you know there is water so they had um they did have surface water and they've obviously drained it and pumped water off the track and got it to a state where it's fit to race um but this is going to be tough this is going to be real tough and i think we're also in a situation where we may see a few non-runners appear mm-hmm. um i think there are a fair few of these were waiting to to see whether the meeting goes ahead before they they, they decided to run. Will Nikki Henderson chance? Fantastic lady. You know, he, he when Fantastic Lady was second at, at Aintree back in um, the Grand National meeting, um, ran a hell of a race to be, be uh, second behind Bill Baxter on softish ground. Um, you know, he came out and said that's as, as, as soft as she'd like it. This yeah. is heavy. Yeah. So whether he'd go there, you know, Cooper's Cross is another one who um, we know has has steered away from heavy ground. Every time it's been heavy, uh, Kelso and Weatherby has been pulled out. Um, they might have a look and may decide not to start their season. <laughs> that has to be a worry um, for Cooper's Cross. Um, look, everything points, as I said in the article when I covered earlier in the week, everything points to Geskill. Um who ran two crackers over the national fences last season was second uh in this race 12 months ago to Al Dancer in that painful uh head bob just failed um Al Dancer yeah. came and, and marked him but that was off a mark of 133 uh 5 pounds higher this time round um but don't forget that the same horse uh, Geskill ended up being second to Ashtown Lad in the beta chase um the following month in December off 137. So, you know, on, on bare form, just to be a pound higher than that on ground that he operates really well on, on over fences we know he likes. He's got a recent run under his belt, a recent win at Ortiz on soft ground back in, in September. So cobwebs are well and truly blown away. This is, this is, the, this is the ideal race. <laughs> Loads to like. Other than the fact that he's as short as eleven or four and five to two, that's the thing I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're taking that kind of price and you're going to get a few non-runners and rule fours in there, it's going to be pretty nasty. Um, as in, you're on a skinny price and you've got to jump around those Grand National fences, and a horse that doesn't find winning easy. You know, as we found out over these fences last year, um, I'd be prepared to take him on. Um, Fantastic Lady would probably want better ground. Um, I went with Nassalam. Um, at tens earlier in the week uh, for the Gary Moore team, um, you can still get eights today. Um, I think that's a fair price. Listen, he's got a big weight. Caelan um, Quinn takes five pounds off, but you know he's running off one four two. And if you remember in all those hideous Cheltenham previews and the build up to last season, everyone was telling me that this was the best handicapped horse going in the in the Ultima, and he was such an amazing bet. Um, the race that Kurt Rambler went on and won, but everyone was touting his chances off a mark of 144. 
Mm. And here he is off a mark of 142. Uh, he finished 10th in that race, didn't really get home over 3-1. I've always felt he's a 2-5 horse anyway, two miles four. He ran really well behind Midnight River when we put him up on New Year's Day and he came flying at the end and just didn't get there, kept on. And that's why they saw the step up in trip. But he's very effective. He, he bolted up on heavy ground the only time he faced it, but going back to 2020, um, very effective on soft ground. Goes well, fresh. Off, in essence, running off one three seven here, which is potentially thrown in. Yes, you've got the question mark of the national fences, and that is a big question mark because he can clout the odd fence. He does make mistakes, and that's not ideal around here. And it depends what mistake he makes and where he makes that said mistake. But the fences are more forgiving. You can brush through a few. He can get himself into a rhythm. I think he's overpriced. I hope he'll run really well. I know he'll enjoy the conditions. I think he's better value than the favourite 11 or 4. I'll definitely have a go at him at 8. And, you know, looking elsewhere, I think if I was to have a saver in the race, it wouldn't be on the favourite. It might be on the Irish Raider, Born by the Sea, um, who's got form figures like a telephone number but there's one key figure in there and that's the six and that's in last year's grand national mm -hmm. um so we know he stays <laughs> we know he handles bad ground um he's been very busy of late he's had runs in september and october they're nothing to write home about but you know very money prep for the national with a five and a 14 it doesn't necessarily to be too much to worry about he ran in the national off 143 here he is lining up at entry off 140 so he's three pounds lower than that you know it's probably been the plan um is he good enough to beat Gaskill? Potentially not, but I think he'll run his race. He's 15 to 2 in a couple of spaces, places. I think that's the way to play it. I played the two of them. I play at the time of recording, I play Naslam at eight and Born by the Sea at 15 to 2. And I think they should run well. That's the Grand Sefton at Aintree. That's the, the jumps racing then. Wing Canton and Aintree that we're going to look at. We're going to look at uh, a couple of races at Newcastle, which has been moved, of course. I know Suddles had a few problems recently. And the BHA moved a few subtle uh, meetings to other venues, and they tried to move one to Force Last, didn't they, for one of theirs, and that got called off as well. But they moved this one from Doncaster, which would have been unraceable, to Newcastle, which obviously races on your weather, the tapita surface. Your thoughts on that, Bill? How does that sort of affect things? And is this a good move for a big Saturday? Look, it's, it's, we wave goodbye to the flat season tomorrow, right? And that's the whole point, supposedly, of the November handicap. And it should be on turf. And uh, Rafe Beckett was kind of not scathing because it's pretty harsh, but he 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 made the point that um, they called it very early. They, they switched to the all-weather like a week and a bit ago. And it wasn't really wet in Newcastle uh, as, uh, this week. It was a dry-ish week. Um, yes, it might not have kind of passed its inspection um but i don't know why they couldn't have just turned around simply and said um look we plan to run at doncaster but at the 48 hour stage we could switch to newcastle i know mm -hmm. I, or whatever just just they've they've gone early with it um i might be completely wrong and i know logistically that's a bit of a nightmare but for me it's just disappointing because it's a soft heavy ground meeting everyone always thinks about the november handicap and there are trainers like rafe um I think he probably, I think I almost know certainly that he had one in his yard that he fancied on the November handicap. Salt Bay, um, who, was, who was second to not so sleepy, is a well-handicapped horse, looked perfect race for him. And obviously he's, he's not an all-weather horse, so that's probably why he said it. But, you know, things like the Wentworth Stakes and those kind of races, they, they probably should be running the mud. And 
you know, I know they want to get it on, but it just it just seems a bit it seems a bit disappointing they didn't try and try and get the meeting on um on on the on the turf. Um but there you go. It is it is what it is. Um maybe they were completely unraceable and and, and Don Christus had a very wet build up anyway. So Maybe I'm talking shite, but I I felt that that I would like to like Rafe Beckett said, giving it a bit more chance to try and be on. On the other hand, I suppose on the positive side for Newcastle, they have got pretty big fields turning up, so they have got uh, horses and trainers that have uh, gone there with with a purpose, and we'll start looking at some of the races there. As I say, one thirty we've got a Philly Stakes and a fourteenth year to go here. Godolphin have got Vale of Shadows. Charlie Appleby, Will Buick, second at Newmarket on soft going recently. Daughter of Frankel taking on Mukadama for Roger Varian in the Shadwell colours. She's a daughter of New Approach. She was um, disappointing, you'd have to say, in in a group three, although this is a lot uh, lot different on Saturday. Sound Angela is another Roger Varian horse. She's got a couple. William Haggis has got Persist for Cheveley Park. She's another daughter of Frankel. Uh, Rousey for Richard Hannon's in there, making me do it for Harry Eustace as well. Uh, but Vela Shadows would appear to be a pretty clear favourite for this Philly Stakes. Yeah, and and you know it, it is a good meeting. Uh, um, to be fair, Rousey's just come out. At, at, you know, nine thirty-eight just literally come out of of, of that race. Is is a non-runner, but it's um, yeah, you know, that's, that's me slacking them off for, for switching and they probably got better fields now than they would have had if they were running on the mud but that's that's me um Vale of Shadows is the obvious one yeah a lot of them come out of this race at, at, at Newmarket back a few weeks ago about a fortnight ago um the Newmarket Pony Academy Pride Stakes which is the group three that Gary Moore's nervous one but you had Vale of Shadows and Rousey um and Persist uh, and Mukadama, all, all back markers in that race, who all have another go here. And Vela Shadows finished best of that lot, and that's why <clears throat> she's favourite. Doesn't find winning very easily though. That's the only only kind of concern you have with her outside of her win at Kempton on the All Weather. Um, there's a fair few good runs there. Um, there's three seconds, and that's the only only slight niggle with her. I think she's on form. She's got you know by Franco, she's got the best best form in the book, and she is a very likely winner. And that's why she's kind of five to two favourite now, um, which is not like coming second. It's just it's, she might be one of these after you. So I, I I'd probably swerve her at the prices. Um, my eyes were drawn to a couple. Um, the first one was persist with the pieces on for the first time. Um, now persist was well beaten uh, in the, in that, in that race behind Novus too bad to be true. Um, beaten nearly 20 lengths behind Novus. Um, but the Haggis team are in such good form um, of late. You know, they've had 10 winners in the last fortnight um, from 20 odd runners. So, so they're in great Nick and, I just, I just think persist to win well with pieces, run well, run not win well, run well with pieces on for the first time. Um, but she's been pretty well found in the market. She was a double figure price, and she's now a short of seven. So um, she's a little bit skinnier than I'd hope. No, I'll, I'll stick with Sound Angela. Um, you can still get sixes and sevens, sevens with boils and sevens with bet three six five. Sound Angela, I think. There is every reason to suggest that this Roger Varian filly will will run 
really well. Um, she was last seen back in September at Song Clude, and she didn't quite get there on Marlon 2 and Soft Ground, but there's bits and pieces of her form when you go back through it that put her right in the mix here. And... Yeah, I, I I just feel she's going to run run really well. I think she's you know the variant variant horses are running okay, and they're not not blowing the doors down, but they're running a uh, running you know fair enough. And you know two of her last runs have been in France, but the the the, the runs at Newmarket and Chantilly were both over a mile and a half. And I think the drop back to this trip is just what she needs. And yeah, I think at seven to one, she's a fair each way. William Haggis has got another nice filly. In the 205, which is the Wentworth Stakes, Juan Lepin's just come out. It's a non-runner now from Mick Appleby. So we've got 10 in there. A sense of duty is the filly I mentioned for Haggis, who has got some really good form. She's got course and distance form. She won a Group 3 chip chase there last June and then ran in a really big race, running in the champion sprint in Group 1 at Ascot in October. So And she's behind Thunder Bear, of course. And with your horse, uh, Newbury, in, in that Group 3 in September on heavy going. Centre duty looks to be a very nice filly. She's, what, four is now. Brad the Brief's in there for Hugo Palmer. And we've got Al Bashir in there as well. Abarama Gold. These are some of the handicappers now trying to get up in a little bit of uh, listed company. But we've got the horse at the top, centre duty, top of the bedding at least, who's dropping down in grade. Much easier forward in the listed race like the Wentworth than she's been running in recently. And as you said, William Haggis been in great form. Is she the worthy favourite for this two oh five? Yeah, she has to be because she could be she could, and I use the word could, be miles better than these. And that's the that's the thing that you have to kind of factor in here. I mean, the best uh, run of her life came over course and distance, and that was back in June twenty two when she absolutely bolted up in the chip chase um she had anaf and bielsa and good horses happy power you know that glen shield and judicial and spy catcher you know you name them they're in behind and they didn't see which way she won she won by nearly five lengths that day um and that was the last time we saw her and then as you say she came back at newbury um got stuck in the mud a bit behind thunder bear and she got stuck in the mud a bit at ascot behind art power on, on, on champions day She's still in training. They brought her back. They took a long time to bring her back. They aimed her at Champions Day. They had the prep at Newbury. She got stuck in the mud there. Can we forgive her that? Has she gone? She might have gone, in which case she might run, and you know, that might be the last we see of her. But um, if she hasn't gone, she's just miles better than these. I mean, I was half making a case for Brad the Brief early in the week that Hills were 10s, Brad the Brief, and this is a horse that, you know, he's got bits and pieces of decent form and was a bit unlucky in France last time to the gaps didn't open in a race that he'd won before. Um, but had, had run a little bit flat at Kempton before that. But there's bits of form, fourth to Tiber flow here at Newcastle um, back in June. But, you know, I think I think Sense of Duty would be a better horse than Ty- Tiber flow over six. And, you know, that's the stable mate um, of, of Tiber flow. And Brad the Brief couldn't, couldn't, get near Tiber flow that day. So uh, I think sense of duty is going to be very hard to beat. Uh, I think uh, you can still get five to two about sense of duty. I think she'll start a lot shorter. She's just one of these horses that 
it's a Saturday horse that people punt. I think she could end up being six to four again. And we don't want to back her at six to four, probably not. But if you get five to two and you can get that early uh, when you listen to this podcast, I think you'll be on a good bet. Um, there's a you could make a case out for Sophia Starlight, who's drawn near the rails. Um, that might be the spot to be. Uh, but that horse is now 15 to two, a bit shorter um, than ideal. I just think Sense of Duty will sit and pounce uh, under Kieran Fallon and, and get the job done. I think it's just, it just depends on the price, as you say. If you can get five to two, you have to agree you've been to a good little bet there at Newcastle. We'll look at one more race there at Newcastle, a bit of a gap to the 345, which is the November handicap itself, extended mile and a half. Hopefully there'll be 14 of them going to post for this race. Likes the local dynasty, who's a three-year-old, was a really promising two-year-old for Godolphin having one at Sandan and Pontefract over a mile. Not quite stepped up uh, as a three-year-old, but um, they're going with the chance in November handicap with Will Buick in the saddle. Chimbasaz Fox goes here for Andrew Balding in the King Power Colours. Chillingham for Ed Bethel with PJ McDonald in the saddle. Ammo, I've got Mr. Allen, George Bowie trains that. Laffy's in there as well. For the aforementioned William Haggis, who's got Kieran Fallon riding as well this has changed the complexion as you say having been moved from Doncaster to Newcastle on the all-weather surface has it given the Godolphin horse local dynasty more of a chance of winning the race now yeah I mean local dynasty was a horse that sat in the entries all week wasn't chocked up didn't know whether it was definitely going to run it's a horse that's long been on my radar um if you sat and listened through this podcast and you're still on it and you're still listening um, they say they save the best till last this will be the la- last bet of the flat season we can load up the double barrels both bullets going in this I think is a seriously good bet and I may have got it completely wrong but I cannot believe local dynasty is 9-2 to two. I genuinely thought local dynasty would be around 9-4 to four. he I just think he's miles better than these um, I totally can see the case for Timisius Fox. Um, nice break for Timisius Fox off a three pound lower mark than when he was favourite for the valuable handicap at Royal Ascot. Got all weather form. Uh, look, I can, I understand it, I get it. Um, but local dynasty for me is it just, just a knocking better nine to two. And look, if he gets buried, he gets buried, but I will always continue to back a horse like him in a race like this. Now you mentioned he was a good two-year-old. He was a good two-year-old. He ra- ra- rattled up a, uh, a three wins as a, as a, as a juvenile, um, one at Sandown, uh, one of decent novice stakes there, and then came out again and, and you know, one at Pontefract, all, all, all kind of, uh, low-level stuff, but that was back in 22. Had a prep at Chester, um, you know, in the G-Stakes. That's that's behind San Antonio. Um, that's Godolphin seeing whether he's a derby horse. And he didn't do things quite right. He hung right-handed, um, wasn't, you know, something seemed to be occupying him and he hung a bit and... Um, he then turned up at Ascot, and if you watch that Ascot race over a mile and a quarter, 
he made up loads of ground with a massive weight rated 100 down the outside. But Burdett Rhoda, we saw when there were hurdles the other day, he won it with Lion of War. Um, Half Secret was fourth. Local Dynasty was flying. They sent him a favourite that day and he was flying down the outside. And all you think about off that mark of 100 is step him up to a mile and a half, step him up to a mile and a half. They didn't step him up to a mile and a half. They stepped him up, to, they kept him at a mile of course and he went to, it was fourth behind Killy Beggs Warrior on fast ground in the rain at Newmarket. And if you watch that race, James Doyle rode him, stuck behind a wall of horses, couldn't get out, couldn't get out, switched him, switched him, got going far too late, ran on, and then he just seems to take a tug in the final 50 yards. He knows the job's done, can't win it, and he just holds on to him. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, he's mile and a half handicap, and he waited all summer and he just didn't turn up. So he's obviously had a bit of a hiccup. That's the only, only worry. But they gelded him in August. So the hanging and all the occupation of his mind and all that kind of stuff. He's only, he's off the same mark as that. He's off 101. William Buick rides him. He's got a lowest draw so he can get out and get a position. Um, I just really like him. I think he's got a really massive chance. I don't know the reasons he had. We haven't seen him. I know he's been gelded. Um, I may have got it completely wrong. The market should tell you that. He's weak in the market at the moment. He's He's gone out since declarations rather than in. But I'm convinced he's going to run a hell of a race. Um, like I said, I respect Timizius Fox. I think he's the biggest danger on paper. I think the pair of them will finish one too. But I think local dynasty get hold of the nine to two. I think you've got a really good bet and hopefully you'll finish off the flat season with a winner. So let's have a look at the weekend's action in Hong Kong. And this weekend, it's on Saturday morning, nice and early, a 5 a.m. start for 10 races. Our expert Wally Pyra joins us once again to look forward to a race car that's sponsored by Panasonic and includes the Panasonic Cup, which is a class one handicap, an eight of five, and our old friend, Tuchel, he's back again, Wally. <laughs> well, you say Tuchel is back again, our old friend. I would say to you, there are eight runners in this contest, and all eight of them we've all heard about, and it's a matter of really, to me, a just sticking a pin down and going, but and that one will win. Really and truly, and I'm, I don't mean that as a joke. You just said to call yet yeah, top weight. He's a he was a winner of six six of his sixteen starts last year. He was placed in seven. Good good race for him to start for the season. Um, he's won over the course and distance four times, but I've got to be honest. His best trip is probably a mile. Uh, nine furlongs upwards. That, that's what I would say. He carries top weight, got Bowman aboard, but it's a difficult task for him. If he wins this, it'll set him up nicely for the season. Um, John Size, he's got his stable companion. Um, well, he was the trainer of Tuchel's, also got Red Lion. Now, he was a winner four times at Chartin last season. He progressed £33 upwards in the ratings. He produced a recent trial that had all the work watchers purring. You know, he looks he looks in a good place at present. He must be near the forefront of the betting. He then got Tony Cruz. He saddles two in the race. As I said, there's only eight runners, so two trainers have got half the field. Cruz has got Circuit Stella, the old ultra 
ultra consistent gallop of his horses. Got Purton aboard, third in this race last year, but he's carrying a lot more weight. And then our old favourite, the Golden Scenery. Never seems to run two races alike. But what interests me here is that Cruz has put his in-form Angus Chung claiming a £5 on the horse. I mean, Angus is riding out of his skin at the moment. He's got so much confidence. That £5 is going to be worth a lot in a race like this where they're so cl closely handicapped. And then you add the likes of Atula Bagheel from the David Hall stable that won this race last year with Beluga. Um, one of my old favourites here, Dancing Code, the bottom weight, sure to be popular with the race goers again, and certainly with the female uh, fraternity, with the owner, an Asian pop star icon, Aaron Quat, likely to be in attendance. Always remember, when he when he goes, he's big buddies with the trainer, Casper Founds. Yeah. And if he goes, you know that Casper has said, yeah, come along. I think will run well. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye on the TV on that. If you see Aaron Kwok um, on the TV, you know it's obviously fancy. As, as a selection, I've got to be honest, I'd pass on this because this is so, so difficult. If I was going to have a few dollars on it, I'd probably back the golden scenery each way, purely and simply because he'll be a double-figure price and he's certainly capable of a surprise. But all in all, a great race to watch. And you may see one or two of the horses, certainly from the size yard, that if they're victorious, then you can rate them that they're going to do well this season. Now, let's have a look at the other news on the card. Hugh Bowman's back. Now, that's good news for the punters, I reckon. He's back after his five-meeting in four sabbatical holiday that he had because of caring, careless riding with the stewards. The interesting thing is when he went away to Bali and Phuket to sun himself for a rest with his family, he was four in front of Purton, and five meetings later, he's, he's only two behind. He must have thought he'd be at least four behind. Four in front, come back four behind at least. Well, he hasn't. He's got eight book rides uh, at uh, the meeting, which includes the progressive speedster Invincible Sage in the five furlong handicap. I know it's at six o'clock in the morning, but it's worth mentioning. Um, it was an impressive winner over the course and distance last start. And the race looks set up for an, another similar scenario where you've got the likes of Sparkling Knight and Super Commander going off like scalded cats and setting the race up for this invincible sage who likes to pounce late with an impressive finishing burst. So I don't think he'll, his odds will be big, but he will be difficult to beat. He looks highly progressive, this horse, and could become a pretty good sprinter in Hong Kong. Now, David Hall, the trainer of Invincible Sage, he has an impressive record with Bowman. Um, he's five from 12 this season when he's legged Bowman up into the saddle. He's also nearing an, uh, um, a milestone in Hong Kong, needing just one more winner to reach 600 winners in the territory. He saddled seven runners at the meeting, obviously including Invincible Sage, 
And then he's got the likes of Otella Bagheel in the Panasonic Cup, Northern Beast, another with Bowman aboard in the One Mile Handicap at 8.35. I quite like this horse because he's a four-year-old. He's in undoubtedly a well-handicapped horse, I promise you that. But he's had a series of misfortunes in his four races to date, and it just needs a bit of luck for this horse to win. If Bowman can produce him with his famous head waiter pounce late on and he doesn't run into trouble, I think he, he might be difficult to beat. So remember that. He's also he's also got Fly Magito in the finale, a seven furlong handicap, a 9.45. The five five year old, despite winning two races, not easy to catch in my eyes, and he has got the highly regarded joyful hunter, front running super winner, and the bottom weight, the interesting bottom weight, Kaiing Chia, who's been carrying top weights in his other races, goes it goes up in class, and he's at the bottom this time. He's well drawn. He could run well from. Um, from barrier two or draw two, he could up with, be up with the pace and be hard to catch. But all in all, that's it's a good race to watch. Um, Joyful Hunter, Super Winner, Kane Cheer, and I, I, I personally would be surprised if Flying Vegeta, Flying Vegeta won. But who knows? Got Zach Burton aboard. Finally, I've just got to say you. The listeners just need to keep an eye on this trainer, Pierre N, and his surname spelled N-G. Okay, that's well, so when I say Pierre N, I am saying the correct correct pronunciation. It's not that the chewing gum's falling out of your mouth then. It's no, no, no. Okay, we'll go with that. That's good. <laughs> anyway, I've just got to say, he's a second season trainer. He leaves the trainer's title by two um victories at present and he has his horses in really sparkling form he's had five winners in the last fortnight he saddles nine runners i would have said half the stable but that's not but he, he saddles nine runners on saturday mm -hmm. notably he's got the unpredictable but talented billionaire secret with Perton aboard in the 10 30 sorry 10 furlong handicap of 6 30 Master Fortune, Master of Fortune with Burton again riding in the mile handicap at seven o'clock. And this horse, at least, how I always have to pronounce this one as Let Letium, which is due to win a mile handicap at the 8.35. So keep an eye on his horse, horses. They've got very good chances, and I think he would be disappointed. Um, the trainer, if he leaves the meeting empty-handed. Thanks, Wally. Good luck with your selections. Don't forget you can watch all of the Hong Kong racing live early Saturday morning this week, charting race course on Sky Sports Racing. So uh, have a look forward to that. And then you've got the uh, Saturday action, Wincanton, Aintree and Newcastle with Bill's preview after that as well. All to look forward to this weekend. That's all from us for today. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's top racing action. So please make sure you join us then if you can. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips. And you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon 
as they're released. 